This is Michelle. And I am Maddie. And this is Unsolved South, where we talk about mysteries, strange disappearances, and unsolved cases from the southern USA. Okay, so I'm really excited about this story. I'm so excited to hear it. This one is totally different than everything we've done so far. So I'm super excited. This is... The Phantom Whistler of Louisiana. Ooh, I'm excited. All right. Sink in. Here's a story. About 25 miles away from bustling New Orleans, inside St. Charles Parish, is tiny Paradise, Louisiana. With a population of about 200, the days are quiet and the nights are tranquil. The year is 1950, and pretty 18-year-old Jacqueline Cadal was living her best life. She had just met and started dating a handsome Louisiana state trooper named Herbert Belsom. He was a little older than her, but she felt instantly connected to him. After a date one night, she's laying on her bed contemplating how wonderful things are going and she hears a sound. But it wasn't her imagination and for months it continued on and off. Others in the house would hear the whistles and rush into the night to see the culprit, but they never caught even a glimpse. So everybody in the house heard this whistle and not just her. Right. So it's she's not crazy. Right. But it was a minor annoyance. It was almost funny even. But in late July, Herbert proposed. Ooh. And Jacqueline blissfully accepted. She and her family couldn't wait to tell the world she was marrying the man of her dreams. And tell the world they did. Well at least their small corner of the world. The engagement announcement was made August 1st, and when the phone rang in the Cadal house, they certainly thought someone was calling with congratulations. They couldn't have been more wrong. The gruff voice on the other end of the phone growled out that Jackie will never marry Herbert. I will kill her first. What? Click. Miss Cadell was understandably shook. What was going on? Was this someone's idea of a prank? That night, the familiar whistle started outside Jacqueline's window again. But no, this time they weren't familiar. This time, Instead of the familiar, almost funny wolf calls, the whistle had morphed into a sorrowful and threatening funeral dirge. Sometimes it would be followed by a blood-curdling wail. What? Night after night, the whistler stationed himself outside of the young lady's window, and night after night, the phone calls came in. I'll kill her. I'll stick a knife in her. Your daughter will never marry Herbert. 
Oh my goodness. Chills. Herbert, understandably concerned, called the state police and the sheriff. Now, during the investigation, Sheriff Leon Vile concluded that the family didn't have any enemies, so it had to be either a crazy person or someone close to the family that had something else against them. For weeks, the police set up outside the Cadell home. They set up traps. They were hoping to be able to catch the phantom. But he or she always evaded the police efforts. You said he or she. So they didn't discern that it was a male's voice? They did feel like it was a male's voice. But I wondered if it wasn't somebody that was jealous and maybe they were disguising their voice. Maybe it was a woman. So That I'm, does make sense. Maybe she had, you know, a crush on. They, they referred to the Whistler as a male. Yeah. But I like to be an equal opportunity person. Okay. I feel like anybody can be a creep, male or female. So, anyway, they always evaded police efforts. Sheriff Vile asked the Cadals to stop talking about the happenings with other people as it was hindering the investigation. But it seems like they didn't really listen to him. So, the sheriff thought it was a prankster, and there was no real threat. So, he sent away the state police, but his department continued to investigate. One night, when the occupants of the house heard the whistling, the sheriff and his deputies, positioned outside, did not. The sheriff claimed it was just, quote, hysteria, that caused them to hear the whistle and promptly withdrew from the case. What? Inside the house that night, in addition to Jacqueline and her mom, were her aunt and a reporter, Roy Hynek, from New Orleans. All four of them reported hearing the funeral dirge, including the reporter. Jacqueline collapsed and had to be seen by a doctor. Soon after that, the bride-to-be went into hiding. She was hoping to relax and rest in the days leading up to her wedding, but the phantom seemed to know her every move. He would call the house she was staying at and threaten her, sometimes reminding her that he would be at the wedding. Once, when she stayed at Herbert's parents' house, the Phantom called Mrs. Cadell and said, Tell Jackie I know she's at Herbert's and I'll be seeing her soon. Days before the wedding, the Sheriff's Office released a statement that they knew the identity of the, quote, prankster. Chief Deputy Sheriff Edward Prejean said they would announce who it was and, quote, it would make it pretty embarrassing. October 1st, the day of the wedding arrived, and what was planned as a simple small wedding now had hundreds of onlookers outside, waiting for a glimpse of the tortured bride and morbidly wanting to see what would happen if the Phantom Whistler did show up, <gasps> as he said he would so many times. And then it happened. Panic set in as word spread. Herbert had lost the marriage license. 30 minutes later, 
after an intense search, it was found, and that was the worst thing to happen that day. <laughs> oh, I thought I was right in my theory for a second there. You got me. <laughs> the Phantom never showed up, or never showed himself if he did, and Jackie and Herbert left almost immediately after the wedding to board their flight for their two-week expenses-paid honeymoon vacation trip to Miami, Florida. A trip they won from a New Orleans airline company's most deserving bride and groom contest. What? And you went? After the wedding, Sheriff Vile said that although he had solved the case, he would not release the name of the whistler because he didn't want to embarrass the person. The name has never been released. And Jackie and Herbert never heard from the whistler again. Is that it? That what? It. I'm not even going to bother to ask if you have theories. I have theories All this right. time. I have theories. All right. I'll it's Herbert. Know. Herbert is the whistler. He's the whistler. Do you think Jackie knows? No. Well, at, at this point, she does. She's dead now, probably, right? Probably. Probably. This was the 50s. So she, she would have been yeah. 20. She's, she was 18. Yeah, she's probably gone. But I think that he had an alter ego. Oh, so and he would call her. Yes, and okay. he would call her and scare her. Okay. Yes, and he he one hundred percent did show up to the wedding because it was him, and he said, "I'll see you soon at Herbert's house." Because he did, because he was there. It's Herbert. It's Herbert. One hundred percent. I no doubts. That's the end of the podcast. We're done. It was Herbert. Okay. Well, I have a couple theories. Okay, you go ahead with your wrong theories. As long as it's Herbert, <laughs> they could be wrong, but. Could the Whistler have been someone who was once in love with Jackie or Herbert and wanted to stop the wedding? Presumably, they had both dated before, and no one else had had an issue, so it would have had to have been a recent ex. Mm. Maybe somebody was in love with Jackie, trying to get her attention, but it or did maybe start the attention... right after she started dating Herbert. Or maybe the attention of... Um, the public. Maybe they wanted um, the attention from the whole town. They Jackie wanted to and be Herbert or... right. They wanted to be the center of attention, so that they made be. it up. That could be. Um, it could have just been a crazy stalker. Meh. Or, and this goes back to what you were saying. Were Jackie and Herbert in on it together to win the trip? See, are we sure that they won the trip like it was a legit thing? It or did... was a contest that was held uh -huh. by a New Orleans airline for the most deserving bride and groom, and they did win. It was like 100% real, a not contest. a scam. Well, it was a contest. And it wasn't like a timeshare thing. Well, that I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. If they <laughs> were they, were, you know what I mean? Like, they, like, give you, like, tickets to Universal or something well, as no, long as you it, sit in there. It's like, thing. um, 
like, you know, the jeweler has the TV ad where they, if it rains on your wedding day. Right. You can win your ring. Right. It, it was, I mean, places do that occasionally. And um, I've seen it done with venues and things. And they just hold a contest for the most deserving bride and groom. And everybody sends in their story or people get nominated. And then whoever has the best story. Who nominated wins. them? I don't know. Mm. Just know that they won. So that could be plausible that they wanted to win those contests really bad. So they made it up. But remember that this started right after they met. So they would have had to have been thinking about this contest before they were even that serious about each other. Well, maybe um, Herbert was stalking her with his alter ego and then when they got engaged and they heard about this contest then they started getting serious about it and he really wanted to win the contest that is possible it's herbert okay so also i have a question was the sheriff just blessed bluffing when he said he solved the case to stop the whistler from showing up yeah. Like, you make a big deal, you say you know who it is, but and that you're going to publicly embarrass them, and then um, they don't want you to do that in the middle of the church with everybody they know, because this is a town of 200 people, so... Right, you know, know everybody. everybody. So, you know, they're like, oh, well, that would be embarrassing if he did it in the church in front of everybody, and so they just didn't want to show up. And then, because he was bluffing, he said, well... I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to say who it was. Then everybody else thinks he did his job. He investigated. He solved the crime. Mm-hmm. He stopped the girl from getting murdered before the church. Because really, there's no real crime. Because nobody got hurt. And stalking wasn't really a, a thing, thing in the then, 50s. So. But maybe he did know who it was, and he knew that it was Herbert. And um, he didn't want to embarrass the bride and the groom at their wedding. Right. That could be because if you think back fairly early on in the investigation, he sent away the state police. And remember, Herbert was a state patrol. Yeah. So he did send away the state police fairly early on in the investigation. Because it was a conflict of interest. Maybe. Or maybe he suspected it was Herbert and didn't want to embarrass him in front of his department. Ah. Just a professional courtesy thing. I would embarrass the crap out of him. It's Herbert. (laughs) I want to Google, where is Herbert now? I want to go visit his grave. Well, he was older than she was. Yeah. Um, If I remember correctly, he was like 26. Oh, yeah. So, he was a decent bit older than her. So, I'm going to guess that Herbert's maybe not still around. Yeah, I would doubt it. But I I thought it was really interesting that the name was never released. And that made me wonder if the sheriff really did know. Because you know how that goes where you're like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. But then your wife is like, but... I want to know, because this is a mystery that's been going on for months, and so I want to know, and then Herbert, I mean, I'm sorry, not Herbert, 
Sheriff Dial, he tells her, Dial, sorry, and he says, uh, you know, well, you, but you can't tell anybody. And then she's like, I won't, baby. And then next thing you know, she's at the beauty shop getting her hair did. And she's mm -hmm. like, don't tell nobody. But, I mean, it seems very odd to me that it was able to stay under wraps all this time. I wonder what would happen if you call that office, the sheriff's office, now. And you were like, hey, just a quick question. You could just yes or no. You could blink twice, you know, yes or no, was it Herbert? And would they tell you? Would they say, I can't tell you that per se, but yes, you are right. Or would they say, crazy lady, what are you even talking about? <laughs> no, it is legit Herbert. And they know it, we know it, everybody knows it. All our listeners, all three of you. You know it was Herbert. You know it was Herbert. <laughs> like yeah. our Facebook page and let us know that it was Herbert. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like you're not being an equal opportunity because it could have been Jacqueline. She could have been in on it. The reason I don't think it was Jacqueline is because... Is it because she swooned? She collapsed and had to be seen to <laughs> by the doctor. Oh, goodness. That was dramatic. Um, but everybody in the house heard it. It true. also was very convenient that the reporter was there and was able to witness somebody outside the family. Okay, but reporters were coming and going. There were a lot of news stories on this. Like... I relied heavily on news stories for this. Right. Um, simply because the the um, blogs and other websites where it was, mm -hmm. um, they did a more dramatized version, and which I did too. I, you know, I threw in a little bit of drama just to right. make it a good story. But um, I felt like maybe they had... Some of them changed their facts a little bit. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff that they were claiming, I could not match up to newspaper right. reports. But there was a lot of coverage on this story. Mm -hmm. um, for a while in September leading up to the wedding, it was almost daily updates about what was going on. There were a lot of reporters um, coming and going. And... Um, you know, that that was kind of why I said that Sheriff Vile asked them to stop talking to people. But they were still giving interviews. They were still talking to reporters. They were still telling friends and family what right. was going on. Their neighbors, they were updating everybody. And I can understand from his point of view how that would make it hard to investigate because anything that you felt like you were holding back to make sure you had the right person, they've already told everybody in town. Right. So, um, and see, that's another thing. They kind of don't seem like the kind of people that are holding stuff back. Yeah. So, if it was them, you don't think they would have said something by now? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I, it was Herbert, and I think it was him alone. Maybe. I think it was him alone. Now, I don't think he ever told Jacqueline then if it was. Yeah. Because 
this feels like the kind of thing that comes out at family dinner one night 30 years later where you laugh and say, hey, you remember that time that Will got in trouble for breaking that vase, but it was me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then it's like a big family revelation that all these years Will was in trouble for breaking the vase. Yeah. But really, it was you, and we just found out. That's the type of thing. Like, I feel like this is something that you tell somebody at some point. Eventually. I don't know how you could hold it in. I don't know how you could go through your life and not be like, I have to tell somebody. Was there an update on their lives? Like, you know, oh, here's where this couple is 30 years later after the Whistler guy. No, not that I saw. Mm -hmm. It just, um, that they had never had another issue with the Whistler. There was not ever another threat made. There yeah. was not ever another issue with them outside the window. I was just curious <laughs> if, like, everything went normal, or did he snap one day, or where was he hospitalized at some point? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I may look into that, and we'll update at some point. But yeah. No, I definitely did not um, see anything like see that. See any by-the-bys. <laughs> Herbert snapped and murdered Jacqueline. Well, I don't think he murdered her, but, you know, he could have, like, I don't know, gone crazy. And she's like, oh, let's get you put in the hospital, crazy guy. So, you're legitimately backing the split personality yes. theory. Yes, yes. He, he has a split personality. It was Herbert. That's the end of the story. <laughs> That's all I know. Well, uh, all right, well. Yes, that's the end of the story. Uh, before we go, i got an amusing story to tell you. Okay. I don't want to build it up too much in case it's not that amusing. But uh, it's fairly amusing to me. So, um, a couple weeks ago, Zane had baseball practice. And uh, for people that don't know, Zane's my youngest. And so, I drove to go get him from baseball practice. And right before I got there, he got hit in the face with a ball. And so, um, it just took a funky bounce off his glove and hit him in the face. And, uh, so, you know, I get there and I check him out. I feel like he's fine. We're on the way home. It's getting dark. It's getting, um, it's like real dusky. Yeah. And he says, do you have anything for a headache? I'm starting to get a headache. And I'm like, yeah, I've got some, um... Advil or something in my purse. I was like, uh, do you have anything to take it with? Because, you know, I don't let people drink in my car. He was like, look, I have my water in the trunk in his baseball bag. And so I'm like, all right, so coming up is the turnoff on one of the roads. And right there at the corner is a graveyard. Right. And so I'm like, I'll pull over at the graveyard and, um, and you can hop out and grab it. So I'm thinking I'm going to just pull across the driveway. Right. But when I go to pull in, there's a culvert on each side. It's like a drop-off, which mm -hmm. a lot of driveways here are flat. You know, like the ditches yeah. are kind of flat, and you can drive through them. Um, but I didn't want to drive off in my car and hit the culvert. And so I pulled in. And you know how, like, every cemetery seems to have that circle driveway yeah. that goes through the center? So I circled the whole driveway and I come back. And like I said, it's starting to get kind of dark. I mean, it's not like pitch black, but it's real it's dusk. It's like dusk. And um, maybe a little darker than dusk. Well, when I pulled up, I pulled off the edge of the driveway a little bit. I don't even know why. 
But when I did, I looked out the window and there is an open grave right next to my car. And I mean, it's like two foot away from my car. Oh. And so um, he goes to get out and I'm like, hey, be careful. Don't walk on this side because if you fall into that grave, it is going to be... First off, it's going to be funny because <laughs> I will laugh. Take but pictures. It's, it's going to be a nightmare trying to get you back out of this grave. Right. And so he's like, okay. So he gets out and he goes around. I pop the trunk. He's like digging around in the trunk. Well, I see a car coming down the road, you know, but the stop sign's right there. So I don't think nothing of it at first, but then they turn into the graveyard. Ah. And I'm like, why are these people turning into this graveyard at night? It's night. Who are they visiting at night? Yeah. And so I'm watching suspicious. And so they start going in the circle driveway, and they're driving real slow. They're like slow pimping, just looking. <laughs> so I see when they cross the lights, it looks like two old ladies. Yeah. You know, but I like true crime. I'm not a dummy. I know they may not be two old ladies. Right. I don't know their business. So they're slow pimping by. And I'm looking, I'm watching him. I'm like, what is taking him so long? He is forever in this trunk digging around. <laughs> and so I'm watching him. I'm suspicious. They're watching me. They're going real slow around. I'm like, get in the damn car. <laughs> and he's like, I, I am. <laughs> and I'm like, hurry up. Because they're coming up behind us now. Yeah. And I'm like, hurry up. <laughs> and so I'm panicky. <laughs> And so, he finally, like, shuts the trunk, and he comes up there, gets in the car. And I'm like, what on earth is taking you so long? You're getting us murdered. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, boy, we listen to a true crime podcast every single morning on the way to school. Uh, How do you not recognize the signs that we're about to get murdered in this graveyard? <laughs> and he's like, Mom, it was two old women. And I'm like, you don't know if they're old women. They could be dudes dressed up like old women. You don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, what are they doing in the graveyard? It's the middle of the damn night. I guess it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was like 6.30 or something. Yeah. But still, it was a graveyard and it was dark. Right. Why are they out this late? I mean, old people should be home, right? Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I'm like, I cannot believe. So I'm shook, right? Because they're coming up behind me still. So I go to pull out. I almost stalled my car out. I was so shook. So, <laughs> I get out. I get home. I tell my husband. I tell him the whole story. And I'm like, I mean, and he's like in the trunk, just slow as can be. And we're about to get murdered. I'm like, it took him forever. I cannot believe. So, I tell him this whole story. And I'm just like waiting on his, his being appalled as I am. And he looks at me and he says, did you ever stop to think that maybe they pulled through? Wondering why you were parked next to an open grave in the middle of the night digging through the trunk. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm the bad guy in somebody else's story. I didn't even know. He's got a point. They're telling everybody this story about these people. They probably came out the next day and checked the grave. I was like, how many times you get the bad guy's salty story and you don't even know? Yes. So How many times are you doing this sketchy thing? Remember we talked about that woman throwing the notebook? How many times are you the person doing the sketchy thing? 
And they're probably sitting at their, they probably went to Sunday dinner telling their family all about the yes. sketchy people at the grave. Yes. <laughs> and I'm over here thinking they're going to murder us. <laughs> they probably took a wrong turn or something, tried to leave the graveyard. <laughs> This will be a good place to turn around, and then they see you, and they're like, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> now we're witnesses, and we're about to be murdered. Yeah, they're probably thinking they're getting murdered. They're like, what do we do, Ethel? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway. That was my amusing story. <laughs> what, do you got anything else? Uh, No, not today. All right. Well, I'm excited about our next story because I got something good working on. Yeah, I'm working on it. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. If you'd like to know more about the case we discussed or to see our sources, please visit our website at unsolvedsouthpodca.wixsite.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at unsolved underscore south and join our Facebook discussion group where we invite you to share your thoughts, your theories, and to ask questions. If you have any story suggestions, please email us at unsolvedsouthpodcast at gmail.com. We will see you back here every other week for another episode. I'm so excited.